Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. I have had a lot of jobs in my life. Uh, I started out with a paper route at age 13 or so. Every, the newspaper was delivered morning and afternoon at that time. And uh, in the afternoons, I had the afternoon route and I'd load up my bicycle, the basket with roll the papers up and then go all through the neighborhood. At 16, I started working at a grocery store. I walked at, worked at two different grocery stores, um, not at the same time, but uh, two different ones, you know, bagging the groceries, putting the stock up on the shelves and even loading groceries into people's car. I liked I liked that one. Uh, a lot of times you'd get a little extra tip on that one. Late in high school, as right I was getting ready to go into college, I, I started selling cutlery. Um, and then in college, there were all kind of jobs, odd jobs here and there. Our, our college had a job board, and they would post uh, people in the community if they needed a college student to help them come cut their grass or rake leaves or whatever. Uh, I would do those kind of things. But I, I got a pretty good gig uh, working at a blood bank. It was downtown near the hospital, and I would go in there, and most of the time there was no action at all. I would sit there. I could read, study, whatever, and whenever the hospital would need a, a certain blood type, uh, O negative, O positive, or whatever, they would they would call, and then I'd go to the cooler and take the, uh, take the uh, container and box it up and, and call a taxi. Uh, that, that was a pretty good little job there. In college, I also had my first foray into uh, politics. I worked for a political campaign, not anything big. It was the fire commissioner. Uh, uh, and I just happened to be out on, in ministry one Saturday in a neighborhood, knocking on doors, inviting people to church. And uh, the the campaign chairman lived in one of those houses, and he was impressed with somebody who was willing to do something like that. So he hired me and got you know, a bunch of my friends. Uh, and at that point, this is in the uh, early 80s, uh, he, he said, we'll, we'll pay you $15 an hour. That was a lot of money back then. And uh, so I recruited all my friends like he told me. And then it turns out most of them never got to work. So they all got mad at me. Uh, in summer, in the summertime, uh, back and forth between college, I, I remember one summer I worked at a warehouse uh, stapling boxes together. And, and, uh, after doing that for a few days, I asked the supervisor if I could try out the forklift and he let me, and I started doing, uh, driving the forklift. Been a youth pastor, a singles pastor. Uh, when we moved to Chicago and I was doing the PhD, uh, we established a cleaning business of all things. Uh, My mom laughed at that because I was not the neatest person about cleaning growing up. But uh, we started a cleaning business, hired some other students to come in and, and do it as we managed it. Uh, we had uh, got into window cleaning in particular, and that, that was a great uh, business for us while we, were, while we were doing that. But the best job of all, the best job of all has been this job, and I call it job, it's ministry. In 1995, we sensed that God was leading us to move to the North Charlotte area and plant a church. And so we loaded everything up. We came down. There were three or four other families that were committed to joining us. And uh, God led us to plant Harvest Community Church. And this weekend marks 25 years since that happened. And today as we celebrate that, I just want to praise God 
for his faithfulness, for his goodness all through the years. And I also want to thank you. If you're listening to this or watching it, you're committed to the ministry that we call Harvest Community Church. Uh, we know very much this is not uh, something the pastor does alone or the staff does alone or the elders or the volunteer ministry. It's everybody. I mean, it's so many people have prayed and given and served and continue to do so. And we want to say praise God and praise God for you. Thank you. Uh, what a what a great, great time this is. When we came to Start Harvest, it was with a clear vision. Our vision was to develop people into followers of Jesus Christ with a passion to worship God well and communicate his love to others. We have that same vision today. We've shortened it a couple of years ago to, to make it easier to say and remember, and that's simply to make disciples who make disciples, to make disciples who make disciples. And that comes from that same vision. You can see there in the green uh, that those first two lines, that summarize developing people into followers of Christ, that's making disciples. And then we want those disciples to go make disciples. That's communicating his love to others. So we have a clear vision and strategy. The vision is what we want to accomplish. The strategy is what it takes to accomplish it. What does it take to make disciples who make disciples? Well, the person there is considered to be somebody who does not know God, somebody who is not in relationship with God. And we started the strategy with three steps, all beginning with E, evangelize, establish, and equip and deploy. So the person who is dead spiritually, they're lost, they're not a believer, they need to be found. They need to be evangelized. And so we do things uh, mainly through relationships for people in our body to develop relationships with people that don't know Christ and try to introduce them to Christ. We do things as a church as well, vacation Bible school, for instance, and other things like that. Once people are believers, or if they move here or something, they already believers once they come in, we are trying to establish them. We're helping them grow in their faith and become more like Christ so that we can equip and deploy them. We want to send them right back out. We want them to go into their neighborhoods, into their job scenarios, uh, into our local community, into the world, other places in the world. And we want to deploy them out to turn around and do the same thing all over again to make disciples who make disciples. Started with the three E's. Recently, we in the last year or two, we've also updated that, that language. Uh, it's, it's the same three steps. Live, grow, go. Live is evangelize. We want people to come to life in Jesus Christ. We want to guide them to that life. Then we want them to grow. Then we want them to go make disciples. Now, what should we do for the next 25? That's the first 25. What should we do next? Should we change our emphasis? Should we uh, focus on different things than that? Well, I would say only if Jesus' words change, only if his priorities change, only if what drove him in his earthly life and ministry could change somehow, or his values would change. You see, these aren't little clever slogans and, and philosophies that we've come up with. We get them from Scripture. And I want to hone in on one of those Scriptures today on this very special occasion at Harvest. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, as Jesus 
was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, early in Jesus' ministry, he begins to preach in Galilee about the kingdom of heaven. That is the setting here. He's begun to preach in that. He preaches about his mission. What is he here to do? He's here to establish the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and yet, is he going to do it alone? Is this a, a ministry, a mission for Jesus alone? No, he needs others or he has chosen to use others in the process. And so this leads us into our context today. It explains it. Having begun to preach the message of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus now begins recruiting his first workers to participate with him in that mission. So right on the heels of announcing the kingdom, he starts recruiting these workers. And uh, we see that, for instance, there in verse 18, while he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, he sees these two brothers, Simon and uh, his brother Andrew, they were fishermen. Now, admittedly, none of us are the original disciples of Jesus Christ, but all of us who are his followers today still share something in common with these men. Jesus, and that is this, Jesus call for us to follow him. And that means following him in his character and in his mission. That's what he did for them. And that's what he does for us as well. So that's the essence of true discipleship. This passage before us today, I believe, is the key to understanding the life, the ministry, and the message of Jesus, and consequently, our purpose in our Christian life. And in it, we see three implications for discipleship. So let's walk through those three. Here's the first one. Discipleship is about following a person. Jesus, not a plan or a program. Verse 19, Jesus said, come follow me. Come follow me. Discipleship is about following Jesus. It's not a plan. It's not a program. It's not a series of books or certain meeting times. Discipleship is about following a person. You know, the Old Testament prophets did not call people to follow them. They called people to follow God. The wise men of Jesus' day had people learn the Torah from them, and, and those people would pursue the rabbis. But here, Jesus is taking the initiative. That's a, unusual for that time. Jesus is going to them and saying, follow me. And they did. Michael Wilkins, in his commentary, um, makes a strong observation when he says that their, their joining uh, or their task of joining in Jesus' kingdom mission is accomplished above all as an outgrowth of their relationship to Jesus. Come follow me, Jesus said. Allegiance to his person is the decisive act. That's so important for us to remember. Discipleship fundamentally is not about pleasing the pastor or the staff or the elders. It's not about just doing the good Christian thing. It's 
it's, it's an indication of our allegiance to Jesus Christ. You can be a follower of the church and not be fishing for people. But you cannot be a follower of Jesus and not be really fishing for people. That tiny two-letter word, me, is very, very important. Follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. Secondly, discipleship has a high demand. And that high demand is radical surrender to Jesus. Uh, we see that in the same words. Come follow me. Jesus is modeling for us, starting where people are and speaking their language. These guys were fishermen. You know, follow me and I'll send you out to fish. Now think about the timing of this call. It was the initial call to fellowship. I don't think this is, this is not the first time Jesus ever saw them or met them. If you look at the other gospels, there were times and occasions where they, they had interaction, but this is that initial call to following him. And so it has to have special significance since he links fishing for men or fishing for people with following him. And that's the only aspect of following him he talks about. Now, over time, he will tell them many things and he will model many things for them. But right out of the gate, he puts it out there. Follow me and I'll send you out to fish. David Garland, the commentator on Mark, says the call and the instant response of these fishermen reveal something of what discipleship to Jesus entails and should shatter our comfortable world of middle class discipleship. Disciples are not those who simply fill pews at worship, fill out pledge cards, attend an occasional Bible study, and offer to help out in the church now and then. They're not merely eavesdroppers and onlookers. When one is hooked by Jesus, one's whole life and purpose in life are transformed. That's what this is about. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And I'll, why does he say, I'll, I'll make you fish for people? I'll send you to fish for people. Well, they were, they were fishermen. <laughs> they breathed it, lived it, ate it. This was their life. This was their livelihood. They were consumed with fishing. They probably subscribed to magazines like Field and Stream or Outdoor Living or Bassmaster. Jesus is saying a complete change of priorities and values is part of following him. He, life will no longer for them be about acquiring fish, something that you can benefit from, but about acquiring people for God's kingdom. Now, there's more to life than catching fish or for more to life than selling real estate or teaching school or working for the bank. Discipleship or following Jesus means now that life will revolve around God, around following God, reaching people for him. And of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that that you'll leave your profession. Uh, some of them seemingly did and others may not have. Maybe others of them were still a, a part of it at seasons. But it would change everything in terms of priorities and values and and focus. And they did surrender radically. Two of them, Peter and Andrew, uh, they left their boat uh, or they left their nets immediately, apparently right in the middle of the workday. Uh, that's what we see happening in verse 20. At once they left their net and followed him. Two others, James and John, uh, they left their boat and father. That They were part of the family fishing business. 
you see there in verse 21, uh, James and John were in the boat preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So following Jesus meant downward mobility for them, for sure. Who in their right mind wants to make a radical surrender of their life like this? Who wants to give up your dreams and your rights and your goals? Well, the answer is by nature, nobody. Nobody wants that by nature. These are the things we cling to, especially in America. It's all about me and my rights and my dreams and being the best me I can be. But here's what makes all the difference in the world. Remember what we said the first point about discipleship was? That it wasn't a program or a plan, but it was following a person. Discipleship is all about following Jesus. He makes the difference. He makes it worthwhile. Yes, there's a high demand to it. There, it requires surrender. They had, to, they had to change their focus and change their lives to do this. And guess what? So do we. Sometimes in America, it seems like we don't issue a strong call to discipleship. Uh, you know, you can kind of just be a Sunday Christian or something. Well, that's not what Jesus is doing here. Let's start building our main idea today. Jesus calls us to follow him. Jesus calls us to follow him. Now, let's look at the third implication for discipleship in this passage and that is discipleship has a clear purpose. It is to reach people for God. Notice how that verse fin finishes. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. If we were not studying this passage today and I were to pass out uh, a question to you and have three words uh, written on the screen or on a, a piece of paper and, and said, I'd love you to fill out this sentence. I'd love you to complete the sentence. Following Jesus means, and I wonder what people would write. Jesus really is clearly defining what following him means right here. It means participating in a common mission with him. It's just not, it's not only mastering theoretical ideas. Content and truth are important, no question. But learning facts is not necessarily the same as growing as a disciple. I think too often we have what I call a, an auditor's mentality. Remember in college, perhaps you audited a class, you kind of wanted to hear some of the lectures and glean from it, but you didn't sign up for the class, you didn't pay the full price for the class, you didn't do all the assignments for the class, and consequently, you didn't really develop like the rest of the students did. You were an auditor. And sometimes, unfortunately, we, we're like that. We just want to glean from the professor's expertise rather than saying, I want to be a participant. I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to, I want to get on board. I want to be a participant. Discipleship at its core is not about self-development, but it's about service to the master. You know, I think there's some incomplete ways that we define discipleship. Today, when we say follow Jesus, what does it mean to follow Jesus? People might think, oh, I need to study my Bible. I need to attend worship services. I need to be in a community group. I need to give money. I need to uh, herd the fish in so the pastor can fish, maybe. 
Jesus said to these first disciples, and he would say to us today, follow me and what will happen? I will send you to fish for people. The essence of following Jesus is fishing for people. God's definition of discipleship is simple. Follow me means learning from Jesus and becoming like him in character and purpose. For them, those those original disciples, what did they do? They, they literally followed him around and lived with him and learned from him. They learned about his character. They learned how he reacted to certain situations. They learned his values, but they also learned his mission. They learned his heart for the world, for the lost, and they participated in it. They got involved in it, and that's what it was for them. Similarly for us, we we don't go physically leave our lives and because Jesus is not physically here, but we do learn from him. We do grow from him, and that's you know includes things like the spiritual disciplines like scripture and prayer and interaction with other Christians to help us grow. That's where those things are value and learning, valuable learning about his character. But it can't stop there. It can't just be intellectual. We have to dive into his purpose and commit to his purpose. According to Jesus, discipleship, I'll put it in quotes, without evangelism is not discipleship at all. Because discipleship is following and fishing for people is what Jesus did. It drove him. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. And he wants us to do that, to follow him as well. Yes, fishing for people is what matters. It's what Jesus did. Now, I want to make a qualification here. While we're appropriately talking about what discipleship is and Jesus' call for us, let's also remember what this passage is teaching us about the heart of God, about the character of God. Why is this important? It's because God loves the world. God loves the people of the world. He loves sinful people who are separated from him. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to this world. And that's why Jesus engaged people in a mission so that others would be introduced to his saving grace. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And then the church was born. So let's remember the heart of God. Let's remember all of this is because God loves people and God loves you. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I hope that today maybe you'll see this. And even though this message is designed for those who are hearing the call to follow Jesus in terms of their mission, the first call to follow Jesus is a call to faith. And I hope you'll hear and accept that call today. And the reason why, thinking back about this passage, it all happened before Jesus ever really kicked off his public ministry. Uh, and there weren't a lot of campaigns uh, before this. It was because he had a plan to bring people to God, and that plan centered around people. People matter to God. People like Amanda Masick, uh, who, when we first were introduced to Amanda, she was a middle schooler. Uh, she was a religious person involved in a church environment that she didn't have a relationship with Christ. It was just more perfunctory for her. And yet she met Jesus Christ personally and she grew. And now she's married to 
great man and has two kids and two great kids and another one on the way. Uh, people like Tom and Sherry Muma. Tom owned his own software company. He came to Harvest, already was a believer, uh, but was really spending a lot of time with that business. He he sold that business because he really believed God wanted him to go uh, into to foreign missions to really go to some place where people weren't disciples of Jesus. And he sold the business, attended seminary, and now he and his wife are focusing in on the nation of Chad and creating church planting movements there. People like Don and Cy Hill, who came to us uh, at first, neither one of them were believers in Jesus. She was Buddhist. He was agnostic. And yet they were saved and they grew and then they went. Uh, they served God here, but they actually went back to her home country of Thailand and they have planted a church. Uh, it's called Harvest Thai. And it's just so neat to see this. Now, missions is not a separate thing. It's not a branch of our church. We do this program and this and this and this. Oh, and we also do missions. That's something we have over here. No, our vision and passion everywhere is to make disciples who make disciples, whether that's up and down Eastfield Road in your community nearby or in Thailand or someplace where there aren't many gospel witnesses. Of course, before the pandemic, uh, God was also sending the world here. <laughs> uh, there were many international students coming, and, and I could tell you about some of those. I won't do it on this recording because... This is public on the Internet, and there's some that have come from countries where the gospel is restricted and, and they could be uh, endangered. But they've come to, to, to Charlotte, and they've uh, gotten involved with Christians, and some have been saved and baptized and are now following him in places. Uh, one, one person who came from another country uh, recently was... Uh, Rui, uh, she was involved in our ESL program, uh, English as a Second Language, and the women there were loving on her and helping her learn English and so forth, but she, got a, she had a hunger for God. She had not heard of God very much in her native home country, and God drew her to Jesus Christ, and she became a believer, and we were able last summer uh, to baptize her right before she flew back to Japan. People matter to God. People like these, people like those in your neighborhood, in your cul-de-sac, in your apartment complex, at your workplace, uh, on your kids' uh, sports team, your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors, people matter to God. Um, what are we saying today? We are saying Jesus calls us to follow him and reach people for God. That's what Matthew Four is about Jesus calls us to follow him and reach people for God. Was this only for those first 12? Were they the only ones who were supposed to uh, make Jesus their ultimate priority and 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 go fish for people? Well, check out Jesus last words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew after he has risen from the dead. He gathers them back, Matthew 28, Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and, notice, teaching them to obey 
everything I have commanded you. Everything I've commanded you, that's what discipleship is. They were to teach it to the next group, and then they were they were teach that next group to obey, and that included obeying the call to go fish for people. That's what God's plan. And he doesn't leave us alone. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's plan for us today. Those of us who say we are followers today, he wants us to go make disciples everywhere of all nations and baptize people and then teach them and train them. Well, as we start wrapping it up today, I really would love to challenge you to make two commitments. The first commitment is to measure everything by how it fits into this vision of making disciples who make disciples. You know, the church is not about its programs, its ministries, its budget, or even its fellowship. It is about God's vision to make disciples who make disciples. Now, when I, when I challenge you to measure everything, I'm thinking of something for now and something for later. For right now, let's measure everything. Let's measure every ministry. Let's measure every involvement by this right here. This is the standard. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Let, let me give an example. Uh, many ministries at Harvest One uh, nearby, there's a Hispanic community in, in, in the Forest Park community. And through the years, God has used our church to do a lot of good in that community. Uh, we've tutored children uh, in their schoolwork. We've uh, taught English as a second language to the ladies there. Uh, people have taken Christmas presents. People have taken food like uh, the school lunches as part of that that program. And there's been a lot of good done to them. And there's there's a lot of relationship built. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot of trust that's there. But those aren't the ultimate. Uh, that's not the ultimate end to just do good, just to say, well, we helped them. We help them. Why? Because of love. Because Christ loves them. And we want them to know that Christ loves them. And we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to express that love to them. And part of expressing love is meeting people's needs right where they are. And these are some of the things they need. But their greatest and ultimate need is is a Savior. And so as we share share and show love to them, we have to measure it by are we able to share the gospel in that way? And this is our goal to share the gospel, to make disciples. Because if we, if we only do good deeds and we never share the words of the gospel along with it or after it, then we're, we're like a social agency. So let's always measure. I, I thank God that it's happening, that the gospel is going there in the context of good deeds. And, and there are many other ministries that we have. There's uh, you know, missions, the go team that's international and the go local that's doing things and exploring more ways to do things here in our community, uh, our, our student ministry, so many things. Let's always measure how everything fits in into this. And I, I said uh, it's, it's a now and a later. Um, right now, it's we hope every single worker in every ministry will be able to say, oh, I know how I'm contributing to the vision of making disciples. Uh, and anytime there's a new possibility of a ministry coming up, we want to measure it by this. And the later is the next 25. So this was the first 25. And 
So 25 years from now, if the Lord does not return, which he could at any time, but if he does not return and harvest is still going, um, there's going to be another pastor after me. It probably will happen before the next 25. I'm 61. I don't think I'll be pastoring at 86. Hopefully I'll be here or somewhere serving the Lord. And uh, and yet Harvest is going to have another pastor. And I hope that the pastors and the elders and the staff that follow behind will have this vision and passion and carry it on that this this is we're, this is how we're going to measure everything. We we want to make disciples who make disciples. Please always have this at the forefront of this church because that is Jesus intention for the church, every church. Secondly, the second commitment that I would love for you to make today is to surrender to Jesus and join others in this mission. It takes surrender to make disciples. And it's about Jesus. It's surrendering to a person. Remember, follow me. And I want to ask you, will you make that commitment today? Some of you might need to make that commitment for the very first time. You, you, you're, you've been a follower of Jesus at some level, but, but you never really totally surrendered at all and said, Jesus, here I go. I, I want to make disciples for you. I want to be a part of that process. Some of you maybe have been involved with that at times in your life, but you've been busy or distracted or apathetic or burdened. And and that's on the back burner. Uh, maybe you're weighed down. I want to challenge you to surrender to Jesus and notice the second part of that. Join others in this mission. It's interesting. Jesus didn't call these uh, disciples individually and say, OK, Peter, I'm going to work with you on Monday and John, I'll work with you on Tuesday. James, Wednesday is your day. No, he he called them individually, but he put them in community with each other. They served together. They learned together. They grew together. They worked together. Oh, that's what we want for every ministry here and every group here, that the groups that gather to grow and share with each other also are involved in serving together and, and reaching the lost together. Now, that looks differently. Some groups will do things together intentionally. Other groups might just support each other. It might be a collection of believers who all have relationships with unbelievers outside of that group, and, and there's help, and there's prayer and support in various ways. It, we're not creating a model today, but we're talking about God's passion, God's desire, and it is His plan is for joining believers together. And I want to challenge you to surrender to Jesus and join other believers in that way, in that great goal. My, my goal for the next 25 years is that we will be better about moving people from auditors to practitioners, and it's going to require an immediate response to Jesus. They left the fishing nets. Will you? Doesn't mean necessarily leaving your job. It might be looking at your job differently or prioritizing your job differently. For some, it might mean leaving your job, but will you leave? Jesus didn't call us to be just faithful church members or good uh, Sunday Christians or survivors or individuals that love him. Jesus called us to make disciples who make disciples. This is the word of God for us today. Jesus calls us to follow him and reach people for God. Reach people to God. There's so many ways that you can do this in your life. 
I think it starts with bringing a gospel focus to all of your natural relationships. Uh, you know, again, especially as COVID uh, hopefully eases up and you start doing more things out, you include unbelievers. You don't just always gather with other believers, uh, whatever your hobby is or taking the kids to the park or whatever. In Bring a gospel focus. Hang out with unbelievers. Develop relationships with them. Also, join in with ministries. Uh, again, view your existing group in this way. Uh, join in missions, both local and international. There, there's so many ways to team up believe, with believers in this work. You know, when our sons were just old enough to start into team sports, we lived in the Chicago suburbs. and uh, they played baseball. They played soccer. Now, soccer was crazy there. Uh, we lived in a, a, a Buffalo Grove, uh, Illinois, uh, was our little township uh, in the northwest suburbs. And and so you played soccer through the park district. And the way they did the park district soccer there was like they had this huge complex, I don't know, 10, 20 fields, uh, soccer fields. And all the kids signed up, and they all had the same uniforms. <laughs> uh, well, uh, virtually the same uniforms. That they were all either blue or yellow. Uh, the the shirts were reversible, actually. Uh, the the it was blue on one side and yellow on the other. And so, in in this rec soccer league, where, where hundreds and hundreds of parents and kids came every Saturday morning. You'd go out there, and, and that day, everybody on your team would flip the jersey over to yellow, and the other team would be blue or vice versa. And, and this was on field after field after field. It was just a lot of yellow and blue there. Um, Justin, our middle son, was playing. And uh, it was interesting because they, uh, they, they sent out the schedule, and they would only give you the, um, the, the time that your game was. They didn't give you uh, the, the actual field number. So... At least our coach didn't. And so one day I, I asked Justin, Justin, how do you know what field you're playing on? And he just looked at me and said, Dad, that's easy. I just find my coach and follow him. You know, if you find your coach, he'll take you to the right field. Jesus said, follow me. If you find Jesus, he'll take you to the right place. Jesus calls us to follow him and reach people for God. People matter to God so much. Harvest, let's reinvigorate. Let's renew. Let's strengthen our commitment to, our involvement in, our prayer for, our priority of reaching people for God. And I know that'll give God glory. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.